أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا There were three mashayikh I wanted to read the tabaqat of uh, tonight again from the Kashf al-Mahjub uh, the first one was, and these names, many people haven't heard them before, but they should hear, they should have heard them. These are all the salasil of the, the, the Sufiya that people are like, what is this thing people made up? And undoubtedly, there are some people who do whack stuff. So if you see somebody, you know, get real high, you know, they do so much zikr that they bite the head off a living chicken or, or, or walk on coals or run themselves through with swords. Uh, conservative estimate, nine times out of ten, they're, they're on something else that we're not talking about right now. But uh, uh, but uh, we're we're talking about we're talking about the the, the well known established salasil that 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 were um, recognized by the ummah that were people who did uh, great khidma uh, for the ulum and for the uh, uh, stability of society for the defense of the Muslim uh, uh, for the defense of the Muslim homeland. Uh, against uh, invasion uh, and against uh, uh, foreign meddling for the uh, like the Crusades and other Mongol invasion and things like that the people who took the forefront that took the business of Islam personally um, so it's travel it's transmitted through these people like we talked about yesterday that uh, these are the people through through whom the Ummah recognized that the Hal was transmitted and one of the things I mentioned yesterday I want people to remember again many of these people are Hard atharis to the point where what today in today's terminology would say these people are like Salafis. And you'll see that even Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Qayyim will speak very harshly against the Sufis. They're talking about the people who left the path of, of the Sunnah. But the names, Imam Junaid, uh, Abdullah Ansari, uh, 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 the uh, Shah Abdul Qadir Jailani, these people, they only speak of them well. They only speak well of them. Uh, and that's something that's again missed missed by a number of people. So these people are not, you know, these people are the heroes of the Ummah and the how the Prophet by by the consensus of the Ahl Sunnah was transmitted through these people. Uh, and if someone uh, doesn't accept it, there's a good chance that they may use the Sunni brand like Nike or McDonald's or whatever these brands they sell. They may use the brand, but they may not know what it entails uh, in an usuli sense from behind it. So the first uh, uh, name we wanted to mention was Abu Zakaria Yahya bin Mu'adh al-Razi. So you've probably read quotes with his name before, but you may may or may not have known who the person is behind the quote. Uh, um, you probably have come across his name some point or another, possibly without knowing who it is. Uh, uh, the Sheikh Ali Hajwari says he was perfectly grounded in the th- true theory of hope in Allah Ta'ala. Uh, 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 Raja, uh, hope and fear. Uh, so he was grounded in the true theory and understanding of hope in Allah, so much so that the Sheikh Husri says uh, Allah had two Yahyas, one a prophet and the other a wali. Yahya bin Zakaria, meaning the Prophet, tread the path of fear such that all the pretenders were filled with fear and despaired of their salvation when they saw him. While Yahya bin Mu'adh, the, the, the Sheikh in question, uh, is uh, uh, well known, uh, uh, and he was well known to have tread the path of hope, uh, such that he tied the hands of all the pretenders to hope, uh, and so he'll talk about that. There's a fake hope in Allah Taala, and there's a real hope in Allah. The fake hope in Allah Taala is what 
is that a person does whatever they want and then they claim that I love Allah so it'll save me. The person will will do whatever they want. They'll go. There's one freeway that will take you to downtown, and one freeway that'll take you to Milwaukee, and another freeway that'll take you to St. Louis, and one that will take you to Jannah, and one that'll take you to Jahannam. And they're going on the freeway to Jahannam and pretending they're going to end up in St. Louis. It doesn't work that way. So that's what he means by it: is that he showed the true path of hope, uh, 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 and 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 separated it in the eyes of the people from the 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 fakers. He says, uh, 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 he says, he continues, he says, they said to Husri when he said this, the state of Yahya bin Zakariya is well known, but what was the state, the hal of Yahya bin Mu'adh? He replied, I have been told that he was never in a state of ignorance, of jahiliyyah, nor had he ever committed any kabira. Nobody ever saw him committing any sins. Uh, and there are people like that. Allah knows best, you know what's inside of people's hearts, but there are people like that. The most notable person I can, I can think of is Murabit who neither in, in, in sleep or in wakefulness was absent from the eyes of people for nearly a hundred years. And so if he committed a sin, you know, nobody's perfect after the Messenger of Allah wasallam. It was something that was so uh, subtle that it was hidden from the eyes of people. This is something I, because you read these books and then you think, uh, you know, maybe somebody like loves their sheikh a lot and so they're exaggerating a little bit. Then when you see somebody like that, you're like, oh, smack, this is actually... This is actually a thing, and we ask Allah Ta'ala to uh, uh, keep the Ahlullah, their sins covered from us and protect them uh, so that we can benefit from their state as well. In the practice of devotion, he showed an intense perseverance, which was beyond the power of anyone else. Istiqama. One of his disciples said to him, O Shaykh, your station is the station of hope, but why is your practice the practice of those who fear? The perseverance, he never give up on, in his, in his uh, regular awrad and his regular acts of piety. He says, O oh, Shaykh, your station is the station of hope, but why is your practice the practice of those who fear? Yahya answered, No, my son, that to abandon the service of God is to go astray. He says, No, my son, that to abandon the service of God is to go astray. This is really uh, important. People have forgotten this because everybody wants like consumer consumer Islam, consumer Sufism, like you buy it in a one pack from Walmart and you use it, you open it, you use it, consume it yourself and you go to sleep and wake up in the morning. Don't worry about anybody else. Some people worry only about their families. They don't worry about anybody else. Some people only worry about their neighborhood. They don't worry about anybody else. The fact is that what a person has to constantly be in the service of the creation of Allah Ta'ala because that's I mean, there's a lot of secret wrapped up into it, but the least thing that a person can take from it is as long as you're not, you're, the object of your service is not your nafs, then you're, you're good. And the further it is from your nafs, the gooder you are. To put it in like simple terms that are not correct, sarf in English, but make the point very directly. Uh, so he said what? He says, no, my son, that to abandon the service of Allah is to go astray. Fear and hope are the two pillars of faith. It is impossible that anyone would fall into error through practicing either of them. Those who fear engage in devotion through fear of separation from Allah, and those who hope engage in it through the hope of union with Allah. Without devotion, neither fear nor hope can be truly felt. But when devotion is there, this fear and hope are altogether metaphorical. It's an ibarah. They themselves are, are, are just words to describe a, a state. He says ibarah is useless where, there's, where ibadah is required. He said that what? The names are useless. He goes, the, the ibadah of fear or hope, the expressions of fear or hope are useless where the ibadah is required. A person worships Allah with the hope that that worship is going to come in handy. It's not like I don't do it and I have hope that I'm going to 
make Jannah Allah Ta'ala himself in the Quran, the Prophet Sallallahu himself in his hadith, uh, says that these people are barking up the wrong tree. They're going on the wrong freeway. They're going to end up somewhere else that, that, than they thought they would. It says what? That the hope carries a person to uh, worship Allah because they have hope that this is going to be useful somehow. It's not a waste of time. Man sama Ramadana, imanan wahtisaban, That to fast a Ramadan, hadith, sahih hadith, the person who fasts Ramadan, both in faith in Allah Ta'ala and in actual hope that this is actually going to come in handy one day. This is not like a waste, a pious waste of time while all the cappers are busy enjoying lunch where we're starving because we're brown or whatever, uh, or whatever other thing, you know, people have in their mind. I know there's like Muslims of every shade and color. But I'm just saying, like, you know, these types of, like, silly uh, uh, modes of thinking that people fall into, that's not, that's not, you're yourself, like, uh, uh, extinguishing the, 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 the purpose of the, the deed in it. So the hope is good hope when it carries you to do the thing that you have hope for some benefit from. And the fear is good fear when it actually stops you from doing the thing that's going to destroy you. But he says they're both ibarat, they're both just expressions. Uh, the the maqsud, the, the thing that you need in order to make it is not the ibarah, it's the ibadah, it's the worship, the submission. So as long as it carries you to it, it doesn't, you know, the, the, those uh, expressions are not uh, not what's important. Yahya is the author of many books, fine sayings and original precepts. He was the first of the sheikhs of this uh, uh, path after the Khulafa Rashidun uh, 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 to mount the pulpit. Meaning what? The, the people who are considered the, 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 the people who carried the hal uh, in the ummah. Um, generally speaking, the, 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 the giving bayans and giving the Jumu'ah khutbah and uh, leading the salat and things like that. Until this, uh, for, for quite some time in the beginning of Islam, it was considered uh, a, 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 a uh, position in which political and spiritual authority are bound into one. Now we have this, you know, we have this idea where like we flip through, we flip through uh, khatibs on a rotation or whatever. In the old days, it was considered leadership. Um, and so what happened is the four Khulafa Rashidun and then after them, uh, 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 Sayyidina Umar bin Abdul Aziz, radiallahu anhum, rahimahumullah, tabarakahu ta'ala, they were both the political leaders and the spiritual leaders of the ummah. And so what happened is that when the politician, when the political leaders displaced the, the, the spiritual leaders on the pulpit, um, the people of the spiritual authority generally they stayed away from they stayed away from the imama. And so uh, uh, the Sheikh Ali Hajwari, although there are probably other people, but he he himself he notes that he was known to be an exception. Um, and this is really interesting because, like for example, there's one of the companions of Imam Junaid Baghdadi rahimahullah ta'ala, his name is Ruwaym. So Ruwaym, uh, uh, who's also, he has a tabaqa uh, uh, regarding his fadail in this book and in many other books. Uh, it's said that Ruwaym, uh, he was appointed qadi, he was appointed the judge. Now being the qadi means that you're a person of the excellent and superior knowledge of the sharia. Uh, and so what happens is that when Junaid heard that Ruwaym took the qada, he said, whoever wants to uh, keep a secret, let them keep it with Ruwaym because Ruwaym hid the love of the dunya in his heart for 40 years and uh, 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 he only now uh, uh, showed it to the people. Meaning what they considered the political, accepting the political appointment to be uh, kind of a dunyawi uh, 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 type thing because it has some worldly power vested in it. Generally, the, the, the people of the Hal and the Ummah in this time, they, they would stay away from that. That's why they had ribats and they had other places where they would sit and uh, people would take from their suhbah and things like that. Um, and then what happens, every age has its necessities. So the age changed 
and so the Mashaikh also changed their uh, uh, changed their 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 style later on uh, for the benefit of the for the benefit of the Ummah. So he says after the Khulafa Rashidun, he was the first of the Mashaikh of this Tariq to take the pulpit. Uh, the Shaykh says, I'm very fond of his sayings which are delicately molded and pleasant to the ear and subtle in substance and profitable uh, uh, in devotion. It is related that he said, this world is an abode of, uh, uh, of, of busyness, ashgal, and the next world is an abode of terrors, ahwal, and man never ceases to be ad- amidst uh, uh, this uh, uh, busyness or these terrors until he finds rest either in paradise or in the hellfire meaning don't expect to rest in this uh, in this world uh, you either you either take up those ashgal and take care of them in this world or you abide with the ahwal and the afat the the the, the terrors and the uh, afflictions of the hereafter happy the soul is that has escaped from the troubles and secure from the terrors and has detached its thoughts from both worlds and has attained to allah yahya held that the doctrine of wealth is superior to poverty however he had contracted many debts in Ray, which is the, 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 his original city that he, that, he, uh, uh, that he resided in. He set out for Khurasan. When he arrived in Balkh, the people of the city uh, detained him for some time in order that he may discourse to them, and they gave him a hundred thousand dirhams. So his problems are solved, right? Uh, uh, on his way back to Ray, he was attacked by brigands who seized the entire sun. So, uh, you know... This is another thing. There are people who think somehow by by taking the tariq, like it's gonna uh, solve your problems and life is gonna uh, life is gonna be you know wonderful ever after. It doesn't work like that. Uh, um, it doesn't work like that. In fact, the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said that he said that uh, 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 the, those who are most severe in their tribulations are the prophets and then the people of knowledge and then the the, the righteous. And in another narration, he says that the people who are most severe in their tribulations are the prophets, and then those who are most like them, and then those who are most like them. And so uh, uh, he came destitute in condition to Nishapur, where he died uh, uh, in destitution. But he was always honored and held in respect by the pe- by the people. Uh, I, does anyone remember we we covered the uh, the 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 tabaka two years ago, Sarya Sakati? The uncle of Imam Junaid and his sheikh. Anyone listen to that? He he. What what happened was he was sakat. He was a junk dealer. Sakat farosh. He he used to be. He was a junk dealer. Like you know how like you have like people who buy like you know whatever broken cars and then sell the parts and things like something like that is what I imagine what it what it means. Sakat farosh. Uh, so he he uh, uh, had his business. He was just like a he was a. I mean he was a pious guy and stuff. But I mean he was not considered a sheikh or anything. So one of the one of the Oliya came by his uh, his his shop one time and said there's a poor poor man outside who's like re- looks really hungry and I don't have anything on me and he's asking for food can you please uh, 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 can you please uh, uh, um, you know just give some money for him so that he can eat something so he said I thought nothing of it I just gave him the money and he made dua for me that uh, you know he made dua for me that may Allah Ta'ala uh, 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 you know, some, some, whatever, some dua may Allah Ta'ala raise your rank or reward you or something like that. And he said that ever since that day, nothing in my dunya ha- happened right again. My business collapsed, everything fell apart from my dunya uh, until I was forced onto this path. So this is a, this is something if you read the tabaqat of the Sufiya instead of just like uh, 
you know, attending the, you know, the hippie peace and love player guitar type Sufi uh, gatherings, quote unquote, uh, you'll know that. You'll know that. Otherwise, there are people who have this thing, right? Hazrat Tanwi, rahimahullah ta'ala, from our mashaykh, uh, Shaykh al mashaykh, he, he actually used to make the murids sign a paper, like sign a document saying that I acknowledge by taking this path that it's not necessarily going to result in making more money and like someone falling in love with me and my marriage coming okay, my children listening to me, my, uh, you know, uh, lawsuits and like civil disputes being resolved, any of those things. The only thing is that if I follow this path properly, it's going to uh, straighten out my account with Allah on the day that I meet him. And they actually actually make them sign a document because people get pissed off afterward. They get upset that like, oh, you know, I did all the zikr and this and that and still everything isn't working right in my life. And, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree. You should probably try, uh, you know, you should probably try something else, you know, try, uh, try, try Toastmasters or something like that if that's what you want. So we continue the next tabaqa uh, is Abu Hafs Amr bin Salim Anishapuri al-Haddad. So this is Haddad, not Haddad like the 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 Ba'alawi, the Mashaykh from Yemen, who are also great Ahlullah and things like this. This is not not related to them. He's Haddad in the sense that he's actually like a blacksmith. That's what the word Haddad means. The person who works with the Hadid, he was actually a blacksmith. Uh, he was an eminent Sufi who was praised by all the all the Mashaykh. Uh, he associated with Abu Abdullahi, uh, uh, Al Abi Wardi. Uh, and Ahmed uh, ibn Khadruya, who is also a, a well-known sheikh, they say that Shah Shuja from Kirman came to visit him. Shah Shuja is another great wali of Allah Taala, whose name you'll see in the different salas and shajarat. You probably heard, read some of his statements somewhere or another without knowing who he was, if 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 you didn't. Um, but the fact that he would come to visit him means something. So the Sheikh Abu Hafs uh, from Nishapur, the Haddad, the blacksmith, um, he didn't know Arabic. And when he went to Baghdad to visit the Mashaykh over there, his disciples who traveled with him said to one another, it's a great shame that the Grand Sheikh of Khurasan will need an interpreter in order to make himself understood uh, uh, when he speaks to them. However, when he met the Sheikhs of Baghdad, including uh, Junaid in the Shuniziya Masjid, he conversed with them in elegant Arabic so that they despaired of rivaling his eloquence. So the Mashaykh, when they gathered together, they asked him a question. They said, what is the, 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 the definition of generosity? Uh, and he responded, he says, let one of you begin this discussion by declaring what it is. Imam Junaid ta'ala said, in my opinion, generosity consists in not regarding your generosity and not referring it to yourself, uh, uh, which is... Which is a beautiful statement in of itself. It says, in my opinion, generosity can consist in not regarding your generosity, meaning not thinking you're generous, and in not referring it to yourself, not attributing your generosity to yourself. Abu Hafs replied, "How well the Sheikh has spoken! But in my opinion, generosity consists in doing justice and not uh, in doing justice for others, but not demanding justice for yourself." Junaid said to his disciples, "Rise for Abu Hafs has surpassed Adam and all of his descendants in generosity." Imam Junaid wasn't a, a person who dished out, you know, compliments, you know, for political gain. We just mentioned how how he harshed a, a Ruaym pretty bad a minute ago, uh, and so this, there's there's a lot of khair in this. This is actually like a, this is a prophetic precept that he he mentions that generosity is what is doing justice by everybody and not uh, demanding justice for yourself. His conversion relates as follows. His conversion relates as follows. Um, it's really interesting. Sometimes, you know, people will say to me, like, you don't know what it's like to be a convert. Okay, I don't know. But there are some people who are born Muslims, but they have some part of that convert experience. 
uh, not completely. There may be some difference in it, but there is some some experience of their life changing very very uh, abruptly. So uh, uh, I, I love these stories. These are awesome stories, mashallah. He goes, he was enamored with a girl. Remember yesterday, <laughs> Abdullah bin Mubarak, right? So he was enamored with a girl. You see that, you know, you see the, does anyone see like a, a pattern emerging here? You know, that's why, <laughs> Miriam and I share like, what's going on over here? That's why, that's why like, it's an act of piety to like dress modestly and to, you know, whatever, to conduct yourself, comport yourself with dignity. Said so he was enamored with a girl uh, and on the advice of his friends, his, his, and, and my, my, uh, uh, little uh, interlinear commentary his stupid friends uh, which m many of us have stupid friends some of us all of our friends are stupid Allah Ta'ala protect us from our stupid friends and give give us guidance and give them guidance as well he said on, on the advice of his friends he uh, he sought help from a, 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 a Jewish sorcerer who lived uh, in the city of Nishapur right? in the Jewish tradition they have the Kabbalah and things like that like there, there are rabbis who actually like learn all of this stuff you know, and they know how to make curses on people and hexes and this and that and all these types of things. So he said that uh, uh, that he was enamored with a girl and on the advice of his friends sought help from a certain Jewish sorcerer living in the in the uh, uh, Sharistan of Nishapur. The sorcerer told him he must perform no prayers for 40 days and not pray, praise God or do any good deed in any form or make any good intention during those 40 days. How's that for a chilla, huh? Yeah. Don't pray, uh, 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 don't praise Allah, don't do any good deed, and don't even make any good intention. He says, then he would devise a means by which uh, Abu Hafs would be granted his desire. Abu Hafs complied with these instructions. He billah. He he Abu Hafs complied with these instructions, and after forty days, the Jews, the, sorry, the Jewish sorcerer made a talisman. He made a ta'wiz for him, like a. a, a, a Amulet for him. He made a talisman for him as he had promised, but it proved ineffectual. It didn't work. Uh, 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 he said, you've undoubtedly done some good deed in these 40 days. Think, what is it? Abu Hafs replied that the only good thing of any sort that he had done was to remove a stone that he found in the road, lest someone might stumble on it. The sorcerer said, uh, the sorcerer was moved. It like struck him. He said, then don't offend that Allah... Uh, who doesn't let such a small act of yours be wasted, even you, even though you neglected his command for 40 days. And so Abu Hafs made Tawbah, and they say that the sorcerer also accepted Islam. Abu Hafs continued to ply the trade of a blacksmith until he went to Baward uh, and took the vows of discipleship with Abu Abdullah al-Bawardi. One day upon his return to Nishapur uh, after his suhbah with the sheikh, he was sitting in his shop listening to a blind man who was reciting the Qur'an in the bazaar. He became so absorbed in listening uh, that he put his hand into the fire and without using the pincers, he drew out a piece of molten iron from the furnace. Upon seeing this, his apprentice fainted. When Abu Hafs came back to himself, he left his shop and no longer earned a livelihood. This is people, this is what, you know, the, the term majzub, this is what it means, majzub, someone's majzub. Now in like common Muslim languages, like Urdu and Persian, Turkish, Arabic, etc. Majzub means like someone's majnoon is crazy, you know. Uh, they use it as a euphemism for crazy, but that's not what it means. Right? Jathb means to be attracted to something, that someone who has uh, 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 their tawajjuh toward Allah is so, 
strong that it causes them to become heedless of what's going on around them. Uh, so his jazb was so uh, uh, was so powerful that when he heard this blind man reciting the Quran in the bazaar, he 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 went into tarab, and uh, uh, he he put his hand into the fire, and the fire didn't affect it. He pulled the, a piece of molten iron from the furnace, and when his apprentice saw it, he fainted. When Abu Hafs came to himself, he left his shop and no longer uh, 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 plied his trade. It is related that he said, "I left work and returned to it." Then work left me and I never returned to it again. Uh, because when any, anyone leaves anything by their own act and effort, the leaving of, of it is no better than taking it. And as much as all acquired acts are contaminated and they derive their value from the spiritual influence which flows from the unseen without help on our part, which influence wherever it descends is united with the choice of man, it loses its pure spirituality. Uh, so there's those things that you have no choice in uh, and you can recognize that they're from Allah Ta'ala because your nafs has no uh, no part in it. Obviously, your nafs also being what it is, uh, um, is also from the qadr of Allah Ta'ala, but it's difficult because you're beholden to it as well. It's difficult to purge yourself from that. Therefore, man cannot properly take or leave anything. It is God in his providence who gives and takes away. And man only takes what God has given or leaves what God has taken away. Through a uh, though a disciple should strive for a thousand years to win favor with Allah, it would be worth less than if uh, 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 God received him in his favor for a single moment. Since everlasting future happiness is involved in the favor of past eternity, man has no means of escape except for the unalloyed bounty of Allah. Honored then, this last line is, this is where, you know, you remember, uh, if, if, you re if you heard the, the talk on the life of Bayezid Bustami, uh, he he mentions that he mentions that that I've been on the path of mujahada for uh, so many uh, so many years of my life, and I found nothing more difficult than to study uh, aqidah. Uh, and this is this is where tasawwuf, real tasawwuf and real aqidah, they're necessary one for the other. If you don't have proper aqidah, all of these Sufic experiences will lead you astray. He says, "Honored then." The last line is, "Honored then is he." Uh, from whose state uh, the causer has removed all uh, secondary causes. This is one of the reasons, if you reread the Tahawiyah and whatever, it seems like half of it is just hammering again predestination, predestination, predestination. That a person, it's necessary for them to see things as coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to deal with them properly. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean being a hard determinist that gives up on exerting effort in life. Uh, but it means being in a position to behold uh, where things come from. So the last tabaqa I wanted to read uh, is another uh, famous Shaykh, Abdul Hassan al-Nuri, Ahmed bin Muhammad al-Nuri. Uh, 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 and uh, uh, he, he's also another person who people have probably heard, uh, uh, heard uh, uh, his sayings before and heard his name before, but may not have you know, wondered who that person is or known who that person is. He says he has a unique doctrine in, in, in his uh, tasawwuf, and is the model of a number of aspirants to the path who follow him and are called Nuris. The whole body of aspirants to Sufism is composed of, he says, of 12 different, uh, 12 different groups, uh, two of which are condemned and the remaining uh, 10 are, are accepted. So he says that, he says that from the major groups of, uh, of, of the adherents of Sof in his time, he says that two of them, he considers them to be, uh, to be apostates and 10 of them are, are, uh, are accepted. Um, in another place, he mentions this also, and he says that those people who uh, those people object to tasawwuf, they say you're uh, you're you're part of a group that's made of twelve, 
12 sects, 10 of which are, 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 uh, are sorry, two of which are, are, are apostates. And then he said, I responded to him. I said, you uh, belong to one group, all of which are rejected. So I'd, I'd rather take 10 out of 12 than zero out of one. Uh, so uh, he mentions, he says, the, 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 the accepted groups are the Muhasibis, the Qassaris, Tayfuris, Tayfuris uh, uh, is Bayezid Bustami, uh, Junaidis, Nuris, uh, Sahlis, Hakimis, and Kharrazis, uh, and Khafifis, and Sayyaris. So all of these different people, inshallah, will get through their, their tabaqat one day, inshallah. Um, all uh, assert the truth and belong to the massive Orthodox Muslims, Ahl Sunnah. The two condemned groups are the uh, first are the Hululis, who derive their name from the doctrine of, of incarnation and incorporation, Hulul and Imtizaj, the idea that you can become one with God in a literal sense. Uh, and then the, the second that are connected with the Salimi sect, who are anthropomorphists. They say that Allah Ta'ala has a body, and have adopted heresy, uh, uh, and with whom uh, 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 are connected a number of other groups. And I'll uh, mention each of their doctrines later on. Nuri took a praiseworthy course in rejecting flattery and indulgence, and in being assiduous in self-mortification, in mujahada. Uh, meaning if someone said to him something, uh, praised him, uh, or indulged him in, in any way, or his own nafs would indulge itself, he would, uh, he, would, he would just stop it cold in its tracks. He said, uh, it is related that he said, I came to Junaid and found him seated in the musaddar, uh, uh, in the professorial chair in the, uh, on the masnad. I said to him, O Abul Qasim, you concealed the truth from them and they put you in a place of honor. And I have told them truth and they've pelted me with stones. He's, 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 he's also a, a disciple of Sari al-Saqati. They both have the same shaykh, him and Junaid. So he says, oh, oh, I came to Junaid and found him seated in the professorial chair. I said to him, O Abul Qasim, you concealed the truth from them and they've put you in a place of honor. But I have told them the truth and they've pelted me with stones. Because flattery is, uh, the Sheikh uh, Hajwari explains this, because flattery is compliance with one's desire and sincerity is in opposing it. It's in oppo opposing your desires. Uh, uh, um, and men hate anyone who opposes oppose their desires and love anyone who complies with their desires. Nuri uh, was the companion of Junaid and disciple of Sarri. Uh, he uh, associated <coughs> with many sheikhs and had met Ahmad ibn Abil Hawari. He is uh, the author of subtle precepts and fine sayings on various branches of the mystical science. It is related that he said, union with God is separation from all else and separation from all else is union with him. Uh, i.e. anyone whose mind is united with God is separated necessarily uh, from all besides him and vice versa. Therefore, the union of the mind with God is separation from the thoughts of created things and to be rightly uh, uh, turned away from phenomena is to be rightly turned toward Allah. This is one of the reasons why there are a lot, a great number of people, their realization of Allah Ta'ala necessarily will involve uh, uh, their entire dunya falling apart. Uh, not everybody is like that, but it happens for a lot of people. If your goal is to uh, uh, attain realization, then it shouldn't matter to you what ha happens for the rest of it. Uh, but it, it does happen, and a person shouldn't be distraught if that happens. Uh, uh, Allah protect all of us, inshallah. It's sunnah to make dua for the easy way rather than the hard way. But if the hard way happens, Allah Ta'ala give us tabat, inshallah. The one who has Allah has everything, and the one who... Lost Allah, lost everything. I've read in the anecdotes that once Nuri stood in his chamber for three days and three nights, never moving from his place or ceasing to cry. 
or ceasing to wail. Junaid went to see him and said, O oh, Abul Hassan, if you know that crying out loud to Allah is of any use, then tell me so that I may also cry out loud. But if you know that it avails not, then surrender yourself uh, to acquiescence in God's will in order that your heart may rejoice. Nuri stopped crying and said, You teach me well, O Abul Qasim. It is related that he said, The two rarest things in our time are a learned man who practices what he knows and the person, who, uh, the, the, the person of this path who speaks from the reality of his own state. I.e. both learning and gnosis are rare, since learning is not learning unless it's practiced, and gnosis is not gnosis unless it has a reality. And people talk about all sorts of like real, like, you know, real high, highfalutin uh, 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 spiritually type stuff, and they retweet and they uh, uh, post and they like whatever, show a picture of themselves like sitting on the masnad with the dim light on a night of Ramadan, like, you know, with their like whatever $100 coffee and like whatever, and, uh, uh, you know, $1,000 oud and things like that. And the thing is, if it's not there inside, it's not there inside, even if what's being said actually is deep. Which unfortunately, oftentimes it's not. But even if it actually is deep, if it's not, if it's just saying and it's not actually happening inside, it's like an alim who, uh, who, who knows knowledge that he doesn't practice. Nuri referred to his own age, but these things are rare at all times, and they are rare today, says the author who like lived in like whatever pre-Mongol desolation in Central Asia. Lombard, God help us. Uh, anyone who should occupy himself in seeking uh, for learned men and gnostics would waste his time. Uh, 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 and would not find find them. Uh, let him be occupied with himself in order that he may see learning everywhere, and let him turn himself to God in order that he may see gnosis everywhere. This doesn't mean waste your time, as in like don't study fiqh. Obviously, the sheikh himself is a is a alim and an and a, a master of this path. Uh, however, what he's saying is like if you're not gonna whatever you already know, if you're not gonna practice it and you're not gonna try to realize it inside of yourself, then uh, uh, then then just piling on more kind of like fake and empty knowledge and fake and empty gnosis not going to help you. Let him seek learning and gnosis in himself as well. Let him demand practice from uh, and reality from himself. Let a person demand practice and reality from himself. It is related that Nuri once said, those who regard things as determined by God turn to God in everything because they find rest in regarding the creator, not the created objects. Whereas they will always be in tribulation if they consider things to be the causes of actions. Again, this is the same. This is the same. The same concept that was mentioned in the, in the previous, uh, in the previous tabaka. So I'll read it again. It's related that Nuri said, "Those who regard things as determined by God, turn to God in everything." This is again why. Why is it tahawiyah? It seems like half the book is about like predestination. It's not there so that you just give up trying or whatever. You still are, have to exert and, and strive and make mujahada in order to make make your you know make your uh, your your suluk happen. But he says that what the point is that, that you can see Allah and you can turn to Him in everything. Those who regard things as determined by God turn to God in everything because they find rest in regarding the Creator, not the created objects. Whereas they will always be in tribulation if they consider things to be the causes of actions. To do so is polytheism. This is one of the reasons this book is, mashallah, not like Sunday school reading because he says some harsh things sometimes uh, that are not to be taken literally, but it has to do with the hal of like the context of what he's talking about. Is if you actually knew what it meant, he says, uh, to do so is polytheism. This is a very, very like what we would consider nowadays like Salafi, like everything shirk, right? Somebody like you know somebody like whatever went to the uh, went to the uh, like you know a pillar in the masjid of the Prophet and rubbed it, and, and, and the guy's a shirk, right? Well, 
not really. It's not like he worshipped her or anything. Maybe the person like thought there's baraka in it because it has something to do with the Prophet Sallallahu even though it was probably made like, you know, three years ago from a marble quarry in Italy or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it may be, whatever, but it's not, you know. So legally, and in, in kalam sense, it's not shirk. But the idea is what? Is that the person who truly beholds uh, Allah Ta'ala as the causer of everything, if that person is like in that zone, then they may say like, this is polytheism <laughs> that people are like running after everything else. Whereas, you know, don't they know Allah is the, the cause of everything. So it's important to understand things in their context and not get carried away with them. Uh, he says that what? He says that to do so, is, see how things interestingly, they come full circle, don't they? Uh, so to do so is polytheism for a cause is not self-subsistent. A cause is not self-subsistent, but depends on the causer with a capital C. Uh, when they turn to him, they escape from all of the trouble. Allah Ta'ala uh, give us from the faith of our elders and our akabir. Wa sallallahu ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.